Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Fight fans, welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live. I am your host, Dan Kenobio, and we have a big one for you today. Joining us on the program, he is the 140-pound WBA champ, Regis Progre. He'll join us to talk about what we saw this past weekend in Dallas between Jose Ramirez and Maurice Hooker, one of the early uh, favorites for fight of the year, as well as he will preview his fight with Josh Taylor. That's going to be October 5th, the World Boxing Super Series final, and some other fun stuff with the Regis Progre. Also joining us on on the program boxing scenes senior editor keith eidick he's a senior writer i should say and he has a lot of news and notes we touched a lot of bases here there's a lot going on in the world of boxing and he's a guy that's in the know so you want to stick around uh, for that interview since there was a lot going on in the world of boxing both inside and outside the ring i want to kind of kind of sum it all up here with our weekend uh recap here and we'll start off with the caution in refereeing or the emphasis on refereeing obviously Boxing world still mourning the loss of two fighters, untimely deaths uh, in the last two weeks. So we figured uh, this weekend was the first big fight card that we were going to see. And we saw some some more caution with the referee. We saw Harvey Dock on Saturday night in the Javante Davis-Nunez fight. He stopped the fight. I think perfectly. Some people say it was too quick. Uh, Nunez didn't see the punch that came. That usually is means when you really get hurt is the punch that you don't see. He was looking over to his corner. Javante Davis pounced on him. The, kind of the ropes kind of held him up. Harvey Dock jumped in, stopped the fight. I thought that was a, a great uh, stoppage there. Then you saw over in Dallas on Saturday night, Mark Nelson. Uh, Mark Nelson. He also made a great decision stopping the fight with Hooker and Ramirez. Hooker was getting blasted on the ropes. Those ropes were holding him up. He was taking flush shots. You know, Andre Ward chimed in on Twitter that he thought it was three to four punches too, uh, you know, too late. I mean, it's hard. This is a referee in there. He referees. If you watch a referee in the in the ring. You know, they're very close to the action. Sometimes they're on the outside, but they got to jump in and run in at the perfect time. I thought that stoppage was good. You had Maurice Hooker after the fight, uh, you know, say that, you know, two fighters died this week. I didn't want to be a third. Good stoppage. We'll touch more on that fight there. But the refereeing, maybe we'll see a trend now where we get even closer, more scrutiny and a closer eyeball between the commissions and the referees to stop these fights. Because let's be honest, there's a lot of mismatches in boxing, and you really have to have fighter safety on the forefront here. Let's move on to Pacquiao Thurman. Pay-per-view numbers, uh, this report saying that this fight did 500,000 buys between streaming and traditional pay-per-view sales over the TV. Huge number in the current climate uh, of where the pay-per-view is at. Also with piracy stealing uh, the pay-per-view signal. I know I talked to someone at the PBC and they, they love the number. And they said, you know, given the amount of people that just straight up rip off uh, pay-per-views and watch them on streams, it's a really good number. Got me thinking though, Pacquiao now between the Broner fight and this fight, that's nine hundred paper, nine hundred thousand pay per view buys and twelve million at the gate. Not bad for a forty year old. There's two ways to look at it. Is Pacquiao the biggest draw in boxing with Canelo now no longer on pay per view at the zone? 
Is that a good thing to have a 40-year-old, the, 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 the face of boxing, so to say, and driving all these pay-per-view sales? I mean, we'll take it, but also you kind of want a nice young, you know, maybe a 25 to 27-year-old uh, taking that. Moving forward here, Javante Davis's star power. He does. He faced another no-hoper in there. He did what he had to do, but take a look at some of the numbers here. Not punch stats. We're going to talk about viewing numbers and attendance. 14,686 packed into Royal Farms Arena in Baltimore. Obviously, Javante Davis is from Baltimore. It was the first fight with the defending champion in Baltimore in over 80 years. Two million views of his KO clip posted on Showtime. He was the number one trending topic on Google Trends with 200,000 searches. This dude is a star. Whether you like him or not, it's probably the way he wants it, whether you like him or not. Following that Mayweather blueprint, the guy is a star, and we got to move on here. Tevin Farmer and uh, Javante Davis, eventual showdown. Both fighters fighting... Uh, Practically at the same time, uh, it was very interesting. You had Chris Mannix, you know, tell Javante Davis that you know this fight. Oh, Chris Mannix tell uh, Tevin Farmer that Javante Davis just knocked out his opponent. Do you want him? Javante Davis called out Farmer. Farmer kind of sidestepped and put the blame on Davis's side of why that fight didn't happen, and he quickly pivoted to the other champions, uh, Bert Schelt, uh, Jamal Herring. Didn't mention Cancio, so who knows what we'll see with that. We're going to talk to Keith uh, Keith Eidek. He'll give us a, a better update on what we can see next from Tevin Farmer uh, and. and and Javante Davis. Finally, Hooker and Ramirez. Brilliance in Dallas. This fight, considering the week that we had in boxing with the untimely deaths and the, the steroid stuff with Dillian White, it was probably the hardest week in, in boxing in a very long time dealing with that type of news. And we needed a big fight this weekend to kind of get us back to why we love the sport of boxing. We got that Saturday night. Joint promotion, Eddie Hearn and top rank Bob Arum coming together to put on a fight between two unbeaten champions, two titleists, and the fight didn't disappoint. Explosive combinations, exchanges back and forth, ebbs and flows. You had knockdowns, controversial knockdown. It wasn't a knockdown in the first. Unfortunately, I don't have enough time to talk about the replay system. But ultimately, Jose Ramirez comes through with a huge knockout victory. Came out of nowhere. I mean, it was shocking. He, you know, I thought that Hooker was just finally starting to take control of the fight. I thought he was starting to jab well. I don't understand why he fought in the, the early uh, two rounds on the ropes like that. But Ramirez found it, and he came through. You look at the final punch stats. Hooker had 129 to 99 edge in total punches. Hooker had a big edge in jabs. But it was the power department which really shined through. Take a look at that. 87 landed uh, for Ramirez to just 77 uh, for Hooker. But this fight had the old school vibes to it. It felt like you know everything i've heard about the mid 80s you know with the four kings and you know just had that i mean it had a, a big feel to it people were going nuts on twitter and boxing needs more of that i tweeted this out that we can get a hooker ramirez every single weekend but boxing politics get in the way that is it our weekend recap let's go to our next interview here on inside boxing live our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Joining us now at Inside Boxing Live, he's the WBA 140-pound champ. He's the rising star. He is the future king of the 140-pound division, if you ask him. That is Regis Progre joining us right here. Now, Regis, you're out in Dallas. Uh, it's a big fight this past weekend, uh, and a fight that you obviously have eyes on because you, you want the winner of this fight, and that was Jose Ramirez. Your initial thoughts on how that fight went down and kind of the whole atmosphere in the building that night? I mean, it was, you know, first of all, I was, you know, when I go to those fights, I really don't go to scout. 
I go as a fan, you know, and um, I mean, I'm, I'm still, at the end of the day, I'm still a fan of boxing also, you know, so I go as a fan and, you know, it was a, it was a night, it was a very, very nice crowd in Dallas that night. And, you know, at the same time, um, it was a real good fight and it was definitely good for boxing, you know, so, I mean, you know, it was exciting. You know, I was, I was up on my seat, you know, you know, just yelling and screaming and stuff like that because it was a good fight, so. You know, um, yeah, that's you know, that's kind of my take on it. It was just a real, real good fight for you know for Dallas and definitely for you know for boxing and yeah. for the 140 pound division. Yeah, 140 pound division certainly really hot right now. Very good fight because for a number of reasons, with everything that the boxing world has been going through uh, the week before that, with the untimely deaths and the 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 the, the drug tests, the failed drug test of Dillian Light that we'll touch on in a little bit. To have a good fight between a, you know two promoters coming together. Uh, undefeated guys put their, their belts in line. It c- couldn't have came at, at a better time. But as for the actual fight, uh, were you a little bit surprised with how Maurice Hooker was fighting those early rounds, you know, kind of electing to, to stay on the inside? There were times where he was pinned up against the ropes, wasn't using that reach advantage, which was clearly on his side. Yeah, I mean, um, the thing is, I mean, in a post-press conference, he said that, you know, the shots, he, he, the body shots wasn't hurting him. He wasn't getting hurt. He wasn't feeling it. Um, so maybe that's why he fought that way because he said he just wasn't feeling it. You know, the thing about in boxing is, you know, everybody knows that, you know, the shots that you don't see coming, that's the ones that hurt you. And he just got he just got caught by a real big hook, um, you know, and that's kind of he got wobbled and that, that you know, uh, Ramirez just rained down punches on him. And then, you know, it's kind of why they stopped the fight. Um, but yeah, I was just like, you know, why is you know why is he just sitting on the ropes and he could have just been, you know, he could have just been standing from the outside and picking them off. But I mean, I, you know, that was definitely you know not a good game plan from him, you know. Um, but yeah, he should have definitely been every every time he stood on the outside and he kind of moved his feet, he jabbed and he threw when he threw his hook. Every time he threw his hook, he landed. Yeah. Every time he threw his hook, every mirror, he landed. You know, and then he came with you know he came with his right hand. And you know he hit he hit Ramirez a few times with that you know with the with the right hand in the um in the in the left hook so um I feel like yeah he should just kept doing that but you know um of course it's always easier said than done when you're in the ring yeah absolutely and yeah you're right when Hooker used his jab he out jabbed him by a wide margin and when he that's when he found the most success I felt like is when he used that range but you know it ended uh ultimately. End up losing the fight, but how about uh, Jose Ramirez, a guy that you have been uh, circling for a while? Um, I know that after the fight, I caught a few of your interviews, and you said that you don't think that the fight will happen. You can see Ramirez, not next at least. You can see Ramirez taking a few mandatories and then maybe jumping up uh, to Crawford. Do you still believe that, and why do you think that? I mean, that's just what I think. You know, I, I don't think they'll make. I just, to, to be honest, you know, I don't really think they'll make the fight. You know, I just don't. You know, I don't think they'll. I just think they want to keep it, you know. Um, of course, as a promoter, you know, Bob Arum, he's a genius, you know. He he'll definitely want to keep that in house, you know. They wouldn't, you know, if you know if everything goes right with the tournament, and you know, I fight Josh Taylor next, and you know, and then I have two belts, and he has two belts. I don't think they would want to make that fight because they would want to make they would want to keep that in, you know, in top rank. Why would they want to make a fight with me and I'm not with top rank? You know, for me, I don't. It won't make sense. You know, unless of course it's for a whole whole lot of money, and of course that, you know, that could that would be the only incentive for them to make the fight if it's for a whole lot of money. But I just still, you know, I don't think they would. I, th- I don't think they'll make that fight. You know, because um, if you look at Crawford, he really doesn't have no opponents right now. He doesn't have nobody. You know, right. he doesn't have nobody to fight big fights. 
So, you know, the next big thing would be, yeah, going up to 147, you know, um, a unified champion versus the undisputed champ. You know, 140-pound undisputed champion versus the 140-pound unified champion, you know, that'll be that'll be a huge fight, you know, for top rank. And, you know, I don't think they would – I definitely don't think they would um, – definitely they wouldn't, they wouldn't be looking – to me first well does it give you any bit of um you know the fact that that ramirez called for this fight with hooker and i know top rank probably didn't want to do this fight you know deep down inside but i feel like from everything i've read is that ramirez really really pushed for it does that give you any hope because he at least said that he wanted to fight you next this maybe you know he comes does a mandatory at the end of the year like he said on, on espn you come through your your fight with josh taylor victorious does it give you any hope that ramirez seems like a guy that wants the the fight that he wants will go to his promoter and say make it and that at least he's saying it's you i mean i hope so you know the thing about ramirez you know i don't it's not the fighters you know he's a you know dude real humble you know i always want to talk shit to him and get into <laughs> it and stuff with him but it's just so hard to man a dude so soft-spoken he's so quiet and he's so humble you know so i think that you know i think that he will want it you know i think he will want to fight but as far as like his man's Rick Meridian. Yeah, I was gonna say. If, if you, I was gonna say if you don't talk, yeah. if you're not gonna talk shit to uh, to Ramirez, you can certainly talk to his his manager. You guys have some great back and forths on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I talk shit to Meridian all the time, <laughs> you know. But you know, as far as yeah, Meridian and you know, and then Bob, I don't think you know. I don't think they will want. They, I don't think they will want to fight. You know, I don't think, especially not. You know, especially not soon and stuff. So. Um, but I think, of course, I think as a fighter, Ramirez will want to fight. But, you know, um, he pushed for hookup, of course, because what other? It, it's a big fight for him. You know, it definitely was. It was. It would have been a real big fight for him, just like it happened. And, you know, it was – I definitely had him winning. You know, I don't think I don't think too many people had Maurice Hooker winning that fight. You know, I mean, out of all the champions, you know, I think that, you know, Maurice Hooker was the easiest target, basically. You know, so that's kind of – you know, I think that's kind of why he did that. And um, but you know I'm a, I'm I'm a different ball game, and everybody knows that at 140, you know, it's different. It's different with me. You know, I'm not going. I'm not Maurice Hooker. I'm Reed Strober. You know, so um, you know that's why I don't think they would you know do that fight. Now I'm looking at your punch stats. What we do here at CompuBox, and uh, I don't know if you even know this, but you're landing 40 percent, 47 percent of your power over your last five fights. That's a higher percentage than Canelo. It's a higher percentage than Lomachenko, Lara. And, and Thurman, uh, do you take a lot of uh, credit there? Do you take a lot of pride in the fact that you're landing that power at a high clip and you come in to entertain when you're in the ring? I mean, yeah. I mean, I kind of didn't, I, you know, I really didn't know that. Thank you for telling me. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just, I just, I come in, I mean, I just do my thing, man. You know, um, that's, that's kind of, you know, that's what I do. I don't, I don't really pay attention to it. That's just my style. I'm a, I go out there and I'm a killer and I just go out there and, you know, try to, you know, run through people and, you know, that's just what I do. Yeah, I like that you're very confident too. And, and boxing fans, they love to look ahead. I mean, you're on Twitter a lot. You see, you know, more people talk about the business side, more people talk about what fights can we see down the line rather than the actual fights itself. So I feel like I can ask you this. Uh, so say you get past uh, Taylor on the fifth. Where do you see bigger fights at? Do you could you potentially follow you know Ramirez and, and up to one forty seven? Because you know a fight between you and Terence Crawford is big money. Or how about this? If you stay at one forty, and Mikey Garcia uh, goes back up to well back down to one forty, 
you two are like the elder statesman in a way compared to some of the up-and-coming talent that could potentially be at 140, whether, you know, Shakur Stevenson, whether it's Devin Haney, whether it's Tiafimo Lopez, uh, Virgil Ortiz seems like he's bouncing around between 140 and 147. Do you see a lot of huge fights potentially at 140 should you stay there? Definitely, definitely, definitely. I mean, um, I mean, my thing is I'm thinking, for me to be honest, I'm thinking maybe two or three more fights at 140. Um I want to clean out the division, basically, you know. Um, and I think I do have a chance right now. I think I, I think it's a better looking chance than than ever for me right now. If, you know, of course, you know, with the World Boxing Super Series, his last fight with Josh Taylor, you know, I'm, I'm kind of that's kind of only what I'm focused on right now. But of course, I can look in the future right now, and you know, and I can say, you know, they, they and then after that, after Josh Taylor fight, you know, should have two belts, and then after that with Ramirez for the other two belts and then, you know, for a super fight or something like that. Maybe somebody like even Adrian Broner or or, or Mike Garcia, you know, for all the belts or something, you know. Yeah. I'll, I I think that'll be huge fights for me down the line. You know, that's all huge fights. And then, like you said, you got you still got people coming up from one thirty five, maybe um Tia Fimo. They got Tia Fimo, um who else? Devin and, Haney. That, yeah, Tia Fimo, you got Devin Haney, you got Virgil Ortiz. Um, it's a lot of big, big fights out there right now for me at 140, you know. So, I mean, of course, I can look to the future and look at all these opponents and stuff. But, you know, the main thing I want to focus on right now is, is of course, Josh Taylor, you know, right. because I it, I think that I feel like, you know, I got to get past him first. If I don't get past Josh Taylor, then, you know, the, the, none of those fights might not, they, they might not happen, you know. So, for me, Josh Taylor, that's what I'm worried about. Absolutely, yeah. Because, you know, it's funny in boxing, a lot of guys want to jump up to 147. They feel like that's the biggest fights. But, you know, you're in a good spot, 140. There's huge fights to be made there. But big fight like you just touched on, October 5th in the U.K. We finally have a date. We don't have an exact uh, location, but we know it's going to be in the U.K., uh, or at least that's what we think. Uh, there was some, you know, speculation with that. But Josh Taylor, what do you know about Josh Taylor? Obviously, two Southpaws getting in there. You know, what's the deal with that fight? I mean, you know, Josh Taylor's a real good fighter. You know, I really, you know, I can't take nothing away from him. You know, um, I don't see him beating me, of course. You know, I think that my style is just a little too tricky for anybody right now. My, you know, my style is just, and then my it's, it's my style, how sneaky I am, how defensive I can be at times. And, you know, on top of that, you know, I have big power in both hands. Um, but at the same time, you know, Josh Taylor is, you know, he's good. He's a real good fighter. You know, um, he can, for, for me, it looks like he can do everything, you know, kind of do everything. You know, he can he can definitely box from the outside, use his long right jab. Um, he has a good left hand. He has a big, uh, big hook. Um, he can fight on the outside, of course. He can fight on the inside. Um, and it looks like, for me, it looks like he's a warrior. He can take, you know, he can take it just as much as he can give it, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean, I think, I really do think that this will be, you know, the hardest fight of my career coming up and um i'm just excited i can't wait you know that's why i joined the world boxing super series because i'm a competitor i tell everybody all the time i'm a competitor and i want to prove myself against the best you know and i always bring this up you know i was with floyd mayweather um for all-star weekend in new orleans before and um you know i was 19 over 69 at the time and i was like the nabf champion and you know floyd was like all right what's the end he didn't know what the nabf was (laughs) was all right what is the NBF? I don't know what that is. And who did you beat? And it kind of hit me like, yeah, you're right. Who did I beat? Now, at, at, when I was 19, no, you know, I, I I beat some okay opponents, you know, but it wasn't like now, you mm-hmm. know. So, 
Um, yeah, that was five fights ago. So um, now I can say, you know, who did I, who I beat. Basically, and it's the same thing, you know. I'm like I said, I'm a competitor, and I want to fight the best, and I want to prove myself, you know, as the best. And yeah. you know, to do that, in order to do that, it's all about who did you beat. Yeah. You know, Josh Taylor would be a great name on my resume. Yeah, you're, you're certainly starting to add bigger and bigger names to your resume. Having known Lou for so long, Lou DiBella, your promoter, he was telling me about you for a long time. You've been on the radar for a long time, and I feel like fans are starting to take notice of you. Great style. You mean you, you talk the talk, you walk the walk. But do you have any reservations about fighting in the U.K., uh, given the whole Dillian White, Oscar Rivas situation, everything played out? I know your promoter, Lou, uh, talked about it a little bit. What, how about you? How do you feel about fighting over there, given how everything shook out last week with some of those details i mean i kind of got the same concerns as lou you know i just wanted to be on even playing field you know that's the main thing let it let it be so neutral basically you know i mean if it's in london or if it's in manchester you know that's he's scottish but at the same time it's close you know it's real real close to you know where he's from you know the i just wanted to be you know he's still a uk fighter basically i just want to be on even terms put it someone neutral you know um i do have the same concerns as lou um, you know, of course, like with PEDs and all that, I don't, I definitely don't think nobody, I, I would never say Josh Taylor's a cheater, but at the same time, you know, you still got to yeah. always watch you out. You never know. You know they, yeah, you never know. You know, people want to, everybody wants the, the biggest advantage as possible, and if they can try to get away with it, they'll try to do it. You never know what people might do, basically, you know. So I definitely want to be on even playing field all, all the time. Um, you know, and it's no, it's not taking nothing away from my confidence that I think I could beat him. I absolutely think 100% that, you know, he cannot beat me, you know, but at the same time, I do want it on, you know, I don't want to go over there to the UK and it goes to the decision and I just get robbed all the way. You know, I definitely don't want that to happen. Um, you know, so, uh, it'll be, yeah, but you know what, at the end of the day, it's boxing. And if it happens over there, it happens. I can't do nothing about it. Oh well, I just can't do nothing about it. And then I'm just gonna I'm gonna go over there and I'm gonna fight. You know that's all. You know, it's, if I can't do nothing about it, I'm not gonna cry about it. I'm not gonna mope and 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 whine and do all that stuff. I'm just gonna go out there and I'm gonna do what I gotta do over in the UK. And you know, I, I look at it two ways. You know, to where. You know, I can look at it to where, yeah, they gonna, you know, they're going to try to rob me and it's not going to be even playing field. Then I, or I can look at it to where, um, you know, I go over there and I beat him in, in, in a real good fashion and I can be a superstar. I, I'll be a superstar in the sport because the U.K. fight is, is big. The U.K., the, the fight in the U.K. could be, it could be a huge fight. Now, Regis, so in a lot of people yeah. will come. Yeah, do you think so, that you'll, yeah. you think you'll need a knockout to win? Is that how you're going into this fight? I would think so, yeah. I would think so. Either need a knockout or uh, basically just run through him and destroy him to where uh, every round is no, is not close, basically. But yeah, I think that yeah, you know, I think yeah, I'll have to, you know, I basically I have to get a knockout to win. So that's kind of how I look at it. Just you know, I have to get a knockout to win. Now let's go three rounds with the WBA 140-pound champ Regis Progay. Now Regis, I I follow you on Instagram. You're always doing crazy stuff out in Mother Nature, whether it's sea lions, you're swimming with alligators. What's the craziest situation you've encountered in Mother Nature? You know what the craziest? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, the, I don't know. The, I mean, you, you saw the stuff, man. I just, I just like playing with animals. That's all. Like playing with wild animals. You know, I can't even say the crazy yacht. Like I was what? chasing like a little alligator when I was here in New Orleans. I, um, closest call though. What's the was, closest call you've had out there? I never. You know what? People think it's crazy, but um, 
I never even I never even got close to getting like messed up or nothing like that. That's the thing, you know. I, I like I swim in L.A. and a sh- little shark was under my foot and and all that stuff. Sea lions and all that be swimming with me, but I, as far as a close call, I never been. You know, nothing never been close to happening to me. I'm smarter than people think. You know, people say, "Oh, he's crazy for doing <laughs> oh, this." Oh, Lou, yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm more, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more careful. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm more careful than people think I am. You know, so um, I don't know. It's, it's, I never really had no close calls or nothing. You know, I just, I like to see animals and I go play with them. You know, I was just in Hawaii what, two weeks ago, and yeah, I was like swimming with a little shark. They had like a, you know, like a, a little reef shark or something like that down there, and I went go pet them and stuff. So, um. You know, I'm I'm more careful than people think. You know, I just I like to have fun with my life, and for me, it's you only got one life, man. You only can do it one time, man. Yep. You know, I'm 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 not gonna hold back. I'm gonna do everything I want to do in this life. You know, while I'm still in my career, of course, I do have to be careful because you know I'm I'm a professional athlete, but you know at the same time, I'm still gonna have fun with my life, and you know, I'm, I'm gonna live my life to the fullest. Now you're managed by Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. Who plays Regis Progre in the movie of your life? I think my son. <laughs> if, if, if I had, yeah, my son. If people don't see my son, my son looks like exactly like me. Not and, and people say that kids look like them. My son looks like a like a, a like me little. Like to where if I walked in the room and he walked out, you'd be like, "What the hell happened?" You know, like you'll think like I got shrunk or something like that. That's how much my son looks like me. Uh, so yeah, in in yeah, I think in in my movie, I think it it definitely you know give my son some acting lessons, and I think he'll definitely play. You know, like with um Ice Cube and his son when he played in in NWA. You know, like he looks that much like me to where he'll have to play me. Okay, now you put New Orleans on the map uh, with your prize fighting and, and being a champion, and now you had Zion Williamson in town now. 25 years from now, who's on the Mount Rushmore? That's four faces of New Orleans sports. New Orleans sports or New Orleans period? New Orleans sports, who's on the Mount Rushmore? I'm sure you're going to put yourself on there. Who are the other three? Uh, I think it got to be me. It got to be um, Drew Brees. Um, as far as um, – and it got to be Tyron, Tyron Matthew. Yes. And um, I don't know. And then as far as picking the number four, we gotta see. We gotta, we, yeah, we 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 gotta see what's gonna happen. The thing is, me and Tyre, we from here, you know. So we definitely gotta be on the Drew Brees. Um, you know, he's not from here, but he just, you know, he brought New Orleans to the Super Bowl, his first Super Bowl ever. And he just, for me, he's definitely, you know, I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, if not when, if not one of the great, the greatest quarterbacks you know, in the league right now. Um, if you're just looking at his stats, basically, it's, it's between him and Tom Brady, of course. Um, but that's three. As far as four, we don't got a four right now. You know, we got a we, – we, it could be up like um, maybe like a Linda Fournette, Ike Taylor. But um, I can't put a four up there right now. But I think as far as boxing, you got to put me up there. And, um, you know, and then football, you got to put Tyron Matthew and Drew Brees. So, number four – I don't know. Number four is not decided yet. There he is, Regis Progre. Huge fight, October 5th, the World Boxing Super Series final, going up against Josh Taylor. Keep an eye on Regis.
Our next interview on Inside Boxing Live is brought to you by Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar. Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden and Times Square. Go into Jack Doyle's for all your entertainment needs. From happy hours to birthday parties to private events, Jack Doyle's has you covered. Once again, that's Jack Doyle's Restaurant and Bar located on 240 West 35th Street. Joining us right now here on Inside Boxing Live, one of the busiest writers in all of boxing. He's the senior writer for BoxingScene.com. He is Keith Eidick. He's always on the move, and he's always in the know. You were in Dallas this past weekend. Uh, for, uh, maybe a contender for fight of the year, electric atmosphere in there between Hooker and Ramirez. Uh, just kind of sum up the atmosphere first before we get into that fight. Actually, I was in Baltimore. I was oh, not geez. In Dallas. I got it. It's hard to keep up with you. I mean, it's impossible <laughs> to keep up with. Let's sum up the the atmosphere in Baltimore because it was off the charts. 14,000 fans in attendance. Javante Davis is someone that is moving the needle on social media and especially uh, in the crowd there. Let's talk about that. Then we'll get to Hooker Ramirez. How about the, the atmosphere in Baltimore? Yeah, the atmosphere was was uh, was very good for that fight. I think, you know, Javante Davis has cultivated a uh, real fan base in Baltimore. The people were really responsive to his first hometown fight in six years. They did uh, the announced attendance was 14,686. Uh, that building was packed to capacity. There wasn't an empty seat in there. It did not seem to me one of those crowds where they would be comping a lot of tickets. The tickets were very reasonably priced. I, I saw people scalping tickets outside very early in the afternoon because I was there You know, when the card started. There were people scalping tickets for twice and three times the value, wow. uh, the face value of the tickets. So uh, it was a hot ticket, but again, the tickets were cheap and you know they were very reasonable. But I think Javante uh, Davis proved that he is a draw in his hometown. Uh, that You can count maybe on one hand, and obviously, as you guys know, how many American draws there are. Most of them are in their hometowns, you know, Terrence Crawford, Jose Ramirez, and guys like that. So, um, But it was interesting to see. I mean, you know, you, you want to see Javante Davis start fighting a higher level of opposition. This was his mandatory challenger, so he had to fight Ricardo Nunez. So I'm not going to criticize him too much for this one, but he needs to start fighting a higher level of competition because from everything we've seen, he would fare well against top-level fighters, but we need to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at what he did in there. He's got now, I think it's 20 knockouts in, in 21 fights, or a ridiculously high knockout percentage. Uh, you can see the numbers that we just illustrated, whether it's you know the attendance, whether it's people searching his name on Google. I mean, that stuff means something to, in today's world, especially. So everything is in there. Do you buy the fact that you know Floyd Mayweather afterwards said that he's a pay-per-view star? Do you see his career uh, trending on that way, or how do you how do we kind of uh, you know sum up all these numbers that we're seeing, you know, ratings-wise and, and whatnot? There's always going to have to be that time when a guy is on pay-per-view for the first time. However, Floyd Mayweather said after the fight that he thinks Javante Davis and Tevin Farmer is a pay-per-view fight. I would strongly disagree with that because I don't think anyone knows Tevin Farmer to the degree where they'll spend $75 to see him fight. He's not a particularly exciting fighter to watch. He's very good. Tevin Farmer is a very skilled fighter, been very successful since suffering some losses earlier in his career. Um, and they do have this rivalry that they've built up on social media, but sometimes those things get blown out of proportion a little bit because, you know, 20,000 people on social media are interested in them bickering back and forth. That's not going to translate to, you know, three or 400,000 pay-per-view buys, yeah. especially in an age, as you guys know, where people steal the signal. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's unbelievable yeah, how it's people rampant. just get away stealing a product like that, but... Right. 
they're just going to try to steal it anyway. So that, that, that's another issue, of course. But the point is, you know, if you're going to ask people to spend 65 or $75 to watch a Gervonta Davis fight, I think you're going to have to see him in a fight against someone at the level of Vasily Lomachenko or Mikey Garcia or, you know, someone, you know, right. once he moves up to 135 pounds probably where he was in that type of fight for him to really sell as a pay-per-view star. You know, the funny thing with Twitter is, and we're on Twitter all the time because it's where we get a lot of our news and, and especially in the boxing world, but it's a very small percentage of people that are actually on Twitter versus that are out there in the world. So we might think something's huge on Twitter or boxing fans may think something's huge on Twitter, but you know, a lot of people seeing that. So you're right. I think that there has to be a little more, uh, from Javante Davis before he becomes a pay-per-view star. But what's next for him? Obviously, you know, him and Tevin Farmer were, were fighting at you know practically the same time simultaneously, which was pretty interesting. Uh, but what do you think's next for him? I know that you know uh, Gamboa was on the undercard and he did his thing. He's 37 years old. Is that like a fight that we can potentially see next? Should the politics get in the way of the fight that we all want to see with Farmer? Yeah, I think that will be the fight that we see next, Dan. I think he'll fight Gamboa next. I- Gamboa did exactly what he was supposed to do to build toward that fight. I'm not saying any of us should want to see a 37-year-old Yuri Orcas Gamboa fight a 24-year-old Gervonta Davis, but he was obviously in that co-featured slot on Showtime for a reason. Um, you know, Gamboa, does he have something left at 37? Sure, but I would much rather see Gervonta uh, Davis fight a younger, fresher fighter at this point in his career. But I think that's what we'll see before the end of the year, because as much as they've built toward this Tevin Farmer fight, uh, DAZN has the right of first refusal to any contract offer that he gets. So if the PBC and Showtime or Fox, probably Showtime, offer Gervonta Davis a, you know, a reasonable amount of money, DAZN could match that. And they could make their, you know, they can make their own offer, which they've already been. It's already been made clear to the zone that Gervonta Davis will not fight Tevin Farmer on the zone. But they don't necessarily have to let Gervonta Davis fight. I mean, let Tevin Farmer fight Gervonta Davis on Showtime. So I think, you know, typical boxing politics <laughs> and network uh, alignments and all that will get in the way of that fight happening next, whether we're on Showtime or Showtime pay per view. And I think we'll see Davis Gamboa before the end of the year and then revisit him fighting either Tevin Farmer or someone else, uh, you know, in the first third of 2020. Well, Floyd Mayweather was in attendance in Baltimore. How many questions were asked about uh, Pacquiao? Not many because he he was, as you know, he travels with this pack of bodyguards. He was not there that long. Uh, So, he, you know, you couldn't get to him at the ring or anything. And then at the press conference, he spoke at the press conference. And then once the press conference ended, he bolted. He, you know, he went out the back door, and his bodyguards surrounded him. So there wasn't much access to Mayweather uh, on Saturday. So he, I, I don't. If anyone got him and asked him about Pacquiao, I didn't see it. And by the time you know you could figure out where he was, he was gone. So, <laughs> he poofs. So he just yeah, disappears. So, right, right. And and you know, uh, you know, a reporter trying to get past some of these bodyguards no. that are the size of like two human beings put please, together. Please Good don't. Luck, you know? Don't do that. I know we appreciate you getting us news. <laughs> But not by those means, and don't don't try to do that. I've seen those guys. But uh, Jim Gray did ask him after the fight, uh, you know, in the rank mm-hmm. post fight interview, he did bring up like you know, well, you know, Javante could be the next pay per view star. Segwayed into could we see you again? And he didn't say no. I mean, I have to ask the question because there is somewhat of an interest yeah, no, given he, off the Pacquiao he, performance. Yeah, he didn't say no, but I I just there's a lot of money still at stake, Dan. As you know, that the fight is still 
the most profitable fight that can be made in boxing, which is saying something. I mean, so the money is there. They won't make as much as they made for the first fight because of all the uh, consumer backlash and all of, you know, it's, it's sort of an infamous fight now, the way that it went down mm-hmm. and Pacquiao saying that he was injured and everything. But I still think there's enough interest with them being two of the biggest stars in the history of the sport that if you put them together again, they could make a substantial amount of money. The only thing is Floyd Mayweather, uh, I don't, he loves attention and obviously he loves money, but I don't think at 42 years old going on 43 that he wants to put himself through the rigors of training camp. I mean, and especially the way that Pacquiao has looked recently again in his fights against Keith Thurman, Adrian Broner and Lucas Matisse, he would have to really train for this fight. Whereas the last boxing match that he had against Conor McGregor, you know, he he went through the motions in training camp, unlike at any point ever in his career, because the one thing that people couldn't complain about in terms of Floyd Mayweather was his preparation. He was always the consummate professional, was always training at 110%. And I just don't know at this age, being as comfortable as he is financially, that he really wants to do that anymore. And then, and then seeing how Pacquiao looked against Thurman, you're going to have to be on your A game to, to fight that guy. And Floyd Mayweather has not fought a real guy, so to speak, you know, a real boxer yeah. since he fought Andre Berto in September 2015. Wow. And, and he won that fight easily, but it's but that was almost four years ago. That's a it's long been a very time. long time, yeah. you know, since he's gone through a real training camp and all that. So does does he want to do that at, you know, almost 43 years old when he's worth hundreds of millions of dollars? And then he puts himself in, in you know, you get into a real fight with Manny Pacquiao. I think he would probably win the rematch, but... What if he gets clipped? And then all of this that he's built over these last 23 years vanishes in one night. Is it worth it? Yeah. I mean, I will, I'm all for it. I mean, I think there's a, there's a, there's a big, uh, you know, I would say uh, people are into it. I would say that people are, are certainly more into it now than at any other time. But you bring up some outstanding points about whether Floyd uh, wants to do it. But let's move on over to uh, Ramirez uh, in Hooker this past weekend. We all saw the fight. Uh, it was a great fight. But now we're going to talk about what's next for each guy. You think we're more likely to see Ramirez Progre, or you think Ramirez Crawford in the in the uh, in the future? Uh, okay, so so next for Ramirez, I think he'll fight someone other than those two fighters in his next fight. I think they'll put him on, back on ESPN right. toward the end of the year in some sort of optional title defense, uh, and he'll fight you know maybe December or something like that. And, and then I, I think he'll fight. Uh, he'll try to fight the, the the winner of Josh Taylor and Progray. Now, people favor Progray in the fight. You know, Josh Taylor will not be an easy out for him, but I, I would think Progray would win that fight. So if he does, that fight is there to be made, and it would be for that fight would be for all four of the recognized 140-pound titles. So that's a very meaningful fight to Jose Ramirez. But as you mentioned, Dan, they don't have many opponents for Terrence Crawford. I've long said that it, it looks like Jose Ramirez can move up to 147 pounds. He's about five foot ten. He's he's bigger than Terence Crawford by a couple of inches, uh, and and he would make a lot of money, obviously, to fight Terence Crawford. They would keep it in house in the top rank ESPN family, and they literally are out of people for Terence <laughs> Crawford to fight. Yeah. He's going to fight Kavalowskis toward the end of the year in Omaha. In a, in, a, in a mandatory title defense, it's, it's absurd that Kavalowskis is mandatory based on what happened in the Ray Robinson fight, but he technically did not lose that fight. So, and, and in Omaha, to be fair, they can put him in the ring with anyone, and the fans are going to show up because he's the hometown hero. So they'll get away with that in October or November or whatever. And then who is Crawford going to fight after that? If you can't get one of these PBC guys to cross the 
the street or however you want to phrase it to fight him and, and take a sizable amount of money to fight Terrence Crawford, who is he going to fight? And in Ramirez, you have an undefeated guy who's got some credible wins on his record, particularly this most recent win against Maurice Hooker. And you can put him in the ring with Crawford, and at least it will appease people to some degree. Right. And of he's... course, not, not, yeah, not like if he was fighting Danny Garcia or Keith Thurman or someone like right. you know, certainly not and, Earl Spence. But and you can't discount the fact that he's a Mexican American and what that brings to the you know financial side of things. It's a good sure. fight. It's a big fight. I, I like it. Yeah. I... Now, unfortunately, I'm going to move on to this Dillian White saga. Um, I feel like fans are very in the know there. I'm not going to go through the painstaking details, but what's the when can we get the next batch of information? What do you think? What's the next uh, thing we can hear from this whole saga? Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, Dillian White made a statement the other day, and I don't think he really said all that much in that statement. So I think it's just going to go through the legal channels uh, in terms of how it unfolds moving forward. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know what the guy put in his body intentionally and what he didn't, so I'm not going to speculate on that. But what I will say is the problem primarily that boxers should have with this whole thing is why didn't the British Boxing Board of Control alert Oscar Rivas and or his team to the fact that there was some sort of adverse finding in Dillian White's uh, you know, test? Yeah. Because they really... You should have some legal obligation. to. I'm not saying that you know, a lot of people are blaming Eddie Hearn and blaming other people. The regulatory body, I feel, is at fault here more than anyone because they should have the legal obligation to tell someone whether you know, that this happened and then they decide for themselves whether they want to move forward with the fight. I think in most cases, especially if this was explained to him as it's been explained, if this turns out to be the truth, um, maybe Oscar Rivas just would have said, well, there's a lot of money at stake here. It seems like this is a plausible explanation, explanation for this. I'm just going to fight him anyway because I want the money. Well, then that's on him. But right. he should be given that opportunity. And if you're not, I want to know from the British Boxing Board of Control or UCAD or someone in some sort of regulatory capacity why they were not told this. Why not? <laughs> you, if you say that the guy who's risking his life doesn't deserve to know that then i don't know how to move forward with that conversation because that's just not that's wrong if anything let's hope that now they see how ridiculous it is they're getting a ton of backlash that they change i mean it's easier said than done especially in the boxing world but let's just hope that you know what i think we'll make a, an amendment to our rules and we're gonna let the opponent know that hey uh your opponent uh you know the fighter know that your opponent is juiced out of his mind so it's up to you and let's at least take some of the the heat off of them but let's go from one saga to the next saga Canelo Alvarez. Who does Canelo Alvarez fight next, in your opinion? Well, uh, we're about to find out, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, if I had to guess, I would say it's uh, Sergey Drevianchenko, but that will require him to guarantee to zone that he will fight Gennady Golovkin in his next fight. And I mean guarantee them that he will not, you know, maybe or uh, let's see or anything <laughs> yeah. like that. He has to guarantee that to happen. So if he wants to fight Drevianchenko and not be stripped of his title, um, that's what's going to have to happen. Otherwise, I don't know, because look, he, he's not fighting Sergey. as far as I know, based on what I've been told over the last couple of days, it's the, the Kovalev ship has sailed for the time being because Kovalev does not want to pull out of this fight in, in Russia now because it's only, it's three weeks from this Saturday night, and he, and he, you know, he's made some commitments to these Russian investors. He doesn't want to pull out at this point and maybe can't pull out in his own mind at this point uh, from that fight. 
but it's a dangerous fight, which is why they were trying to get Anthony Yarde to take the step-aside money and allow Kovalev to go, you know, make what was a massive payday, um, much more than he's going to make for this fight in Russia, uh, and go fight Canelo. But th- that appears like it is not going to happen. So I think, you know, he'll move forward with the Yarde fight. Um, and then you'll have to by by the time he fights Yardy, I would assume Canelo will have a, an opponent for a fight if he's going to fight <laughs> October twenty sixth. I mean, it's uh, crazy. Yeah, you would think. I mean, the way they're slotting it in the schedule is they want him to fight in late October. I believe it's October twenty sixth is the more likely date. Yeah. That, that's that could change, but if you know, because if Kovalev fights Yardy on August twenty fourth, let's just say it's a. It's a rough fight, but Kovalev wins. It goes right. 12 rounds or whatever, and he wins the fight. He's going to need some time off before he could go get into another, at 36 years old in particular, to go into another training. Yeah, it would have to be 2020 camp. then. For, right. For, for, well, I mean, maybe they could squeeze, again, if the timing works out, and say the uh, the rematch between Ruiz and Joshua happens in November instead of December, maybe that becomes the December fight for DAZN. You know, Kovalev and uh, Canelo, can, yeah. they could do that. Then, then Kovalev would at least be able to take a little time off of some, re- you know, five, six weeks or whatever, and then go, you know, go promote the fight, go back into training camp. That's a reasonable amount of time. But obviously, you couldn't fight August 24th and then fight in late October. No, no. I mean, you could, but you'd be getting a diminished version of what's already yeah, especially, considered a diminished fighter. And especially you know? with everything that's going on, you know, with the, you know, the untimely deaths, and it's feel like there's way more scrutiny now than yeah. ever uh, on these commissions. You're right. And it's funny because you look at the September schedule in boxing, there's really nothing on the schedule. It's one of the more busier months uh, in boxing, you know, historically. I understand college football, but I feel like Canelo is is – is the face of the sport, as as Bob Arum said in his press, post-fight press conference, but also he's kind of kind of holding things up. He's jamming things up. I want some fight dates. I have to plan my schedule too, Canelo. Can we, can we please get this going? Before we let you go, Keith, uh, the final question we have, you're a guy that's in the know. Joshua Ruiz, uh, Eddie Hearn kind of hinted at some big type of uh, announcement. We all know that the fight's going to happen. We just don't know where and when. Uh, there were some rumblings that it's going to happen in Cardiff, Wales, that they finally you know talked Ruiz out of this MSG uh, dream that he's still has but uh have you heard anything and, and when can we expect the announcement yeah, you mean they talked joshua out of this, this right that's what, I meant. that's what i mean yeah because me, yeah. He, yeah, he was yeah I, I don't know why he was so adamant about coming back to, to in one way it's commendable that he wants to go back to where it all went wrong and try to make it right but it's probably not a great idea from a psychological standpoint right. so i i think we'll i think we will see the fight in if i had to guess it would be de- in december um it'll give him some time to promote it it'll give uh joshua a little more time off um, and they'll give them the proper amount of time to really promote what will be a very big pay-per-view event in uh, in the UK. You know, they really want to have him over there, Ruiz and Joshua together, and really promote it really well and pack that. You know, if they can pack, they will pack Millennium Stadium again. Uh, I think it holds like seventy-eight thousand people or something like that. So I think it's called Principality Stadium, actually. It's called now, but uh, so that'd be my guess. I think that's when it'll happen. I know they're going back and forth about you know what's due in the contract and what isn't. I think that's all just posturing, really. I think, you know, Ruiz maybe trying to squeeze a little bit more money out of it. Um, but I, but he's contractually bound to do this rematch. I've heard people say, oh, well, maybe he'll give up the title. I mean, why would he give up all of his leverage with the title? Give up his titles and go fight Deontay Wilder or what? You know, yeah, what, Wilder said that. Crazy scenarios. But, yeah, I mean, why would he do that? He, he would give up. He has... Well, he has four titles technically, but three that are recognized mostly by uh, you know by boxing fans. But um, why would he do that though? He'd give up all of his leverage, and it's not like he's and, and to, to from a uh, 
from the standpoint of being ethical, look, Anthony Joshua gave him the opportunity of a lifetime. He didn't have to. He capitalized on that opportunity, but now he owes him a rematch. Yes. So why should he not be obligated to go do it? I mean, he really should just honor his contract and go do it. Yeah. And if you don't like the amount of money that you that you're being paid for the rematch, well, then you shouldn't have signed the contract. Yeah, I, know, I you know, see I'm that all the time on, on Twitter. The fans are like, you know, Ruiz will say, I don't think I'm going to go to UK. It's a setup. Or I think the fight should be in Staples Center. Or fans would say, he should just bypass this and fight well. You know, they don't understand how contracts work. There's a contract. Right. We're going to sign it. He's going to fight him. And most likely from what you're hearing and, and what seems like the general consensus is, is that it's going to be somewhere in the UK in, in early December. But Keith, we covered a ton of bases here. Uh, you're a guy that's in the know. We appreciate you here joining us on Inside Boxing Live. See you ringside soon. Yeah, I appreciate it, Dan. Thanks a lot, man. Special thanks to our guests, Keith Eidick and Regis Progray, for dropping by the show. Busy week coming up Thursday night. You want to check out UFC Fight Pass, Broadway Boxing. I will be your ringside reporter for a great night of fights alongside Justin Shackle, Corey Erdman, and Kelly Pavlik. And then Saturday night, I'll be at the Barclays Center for another Fox Fight Night. Chris Ariola, Adam Konaki, fireworks in the heavyweight division. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next week.